Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, so we are embarking on a brand new journey through the book of Jonah. Well, Pastor Ben, you said that. Well, of course, you know, we're looking and we're calling this series, this, this series, right? Hashtag love people. But tonight, tonight, we're simply going to just get a, a, a brief infor- introduction to this book, just a little bit of introduction. But the one thing I want to jump into first and foremost, because it is the book of Jonah, if you're taking notes, first and foremost, you can jot this down. The name Jonah actually translated out means dove. And I thought that was very interesting. The name Jonah, if you were to name your kid, he actually means dove. And and so right off the bat, we discover something very amazing. You go, what's that? Well, we know that God has called us to be obedient to him, right, as believers. Now, listen, let's, let's just do some work here for just a second, okay? We realize that we're not under the Mosaic law, right? Galatians tells us we are free from that. We're not under the Mosaic law. We're not, we don't have to come to church to be saved, or we don't have to give so much money to be saved, or work in the children's ministry. We're saved by grace, right? By faith, through faith alone, we're saved, and that's all there is to it. But there is another law that we are, are really slaves to, and it's the law of Christ. And the law of Christ helps us and guides us to be obedient. And so the first thing we see is in order to be obedient to God, we're going to need some help. We're going to need some help. And you go, well, from who? Like what? Like the church? The pastor? What? No. Guys, listen. First and foremost, if Jonah means dove, we discover that in order to be obedient to God, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to love people the way God has called us to love people, can I just shoot straight with you? We're going to need the Holy Spirit. You go, how so? Well, it's, it's, it's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 22. The verse goes like this. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Jesus. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So again, Luke's Gospel tells us that the Holy Spirit in a bodily form, the form of a dove, had kind of came down on Jesus, and then they hear this great voice, right? And it's and it's the Father that says, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased." Well, that's Luke two twenty three twenty two. Well, John writes kind of the same account in John chapter one verse thirty two, where he says, "And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit speaking of the Holy Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him, Jesus." Now, let's chat for just a moment, okay? Because if Jonah means dove, and, and and we really go, okay, so we want to equate that with the Holy Spirit based upon Scripture, we know that first and foremost. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Okay, we know, oh, well, that's a dove. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit, jot this down, guys, is the third person of the triune God. Okay? Some people will say, well, the Holy Spirit is this force or this, or this mist or this. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's the third person of the triune God. We have Father, Son, and Spirit. Okay? We know He's not a dove. 
but the dove, often in Scripture, represents the Holy Spirit. So Jonah means dove, and we can get this through the Holy Spirit. Now, as we come through the book to this amazing book, our understanding of the work of the God Spirit to save his people is actually found in the name Jonah, right? Without them, it's like there's no way Jonah's going to be able to do what he's going to do. There's no way he's going to... I mean, really, when you think of Jonah's message, it's just a few short words. Listen, God has given me just this incredible gift to be able to go, hey, listen, and and and, and I work really hard in evangelism, but it was through the Holy Spirit that... Well, think about it, guys. The Holy Spirit, guys, comes upon Jonah, and it's actually used, and it's it's used to save the people as found in his name. Listen, without the Holy Spirit, we're a lot like Leslie Puckett. Now, Leslie Puckett is a guy. You go, who's Leslie Puckett? Well, I found this article I thought was very interesting. Sometimes back, the Associated Press carried the dispatch in Glasgow, Kentucky, said Leslie Puckett after struggling to start his car, lifted the hood and discovered that someone had stolen his motor. That's a lot like us, is it not, without the Holy Spirit? See, that's the, one, that's the, the driving force. So let me give you some background on this book. There are many people who will come to the book of Jonah and say, now, listen, that's just an allegory. That's a real, are you serious? Listen, that's just an allegory, or maybe it was a parable to which I say, I got to be honest with you, because like I spent four days looking at the Atlantic Ocean, okay? And I mean, it's just huge. And so I'm just going, there's, I mean, I don't know how we can, but anyway, nonetheless, I mean, think about this. Jonah was a real person. He lived, he was a Jewish prophet, jot that down, from Gath, Hefer, and Zebulun, and he ministered, now here's where it's going to come together, because if you were with our Hosea study, you'll remember this. He ministered, guys, in the northern kingdom of Israel. You guys remember that? It was during the reign of Jeroboam II, his contemporaries, those living at the same time, were both Hosea and Amos. So when we studied the book of Hosea and we dug real deep and we talked all about Gomer and the 10 northern tribes, and we'll get into it here in just a second, Jonah was around somewhere there too. We don't know where. But let me give you some background so you kind of understand. Now, you know this, but I think just, just reiterating will help us, okay? After the death of Solomon, his son Rehoboam pursued a course that divided the nation into two kingdoms, okay? If you're taking note, you had King David. Everybody knows King David, okay? Then he had a son named Solomon who took over the throne. Solomon was supposedly the wisest man in the world. Then he had a son named Rehoboam. Rehoboam didn't do that great, but he pursued to divide the two, basically the nation of Israel into two kingdoms. Okay, Rehoboam was the king of Judah, which was in the southern kingdom, which included Judah and Benjamin. You go, Ben, I remember that. Good, 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 good. Jeroboam II, well, he was the, he was the evil king kind of ruling over the ten tribes that kind of made up what we call Israel, the ten northern tribes. You guys remember that in our Hosea study. You had, you had the two on the bottom and they were called Judah. Then you had the ten on the top and they were often known as Israel. Okay. 
Well, remember what had happened. As the story goes, Jeroboam was fearful that his people would go back to Jerusalem to worship. Well, that's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be one unified nation. Now they're divided, and Jeroboam goes, oh, 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 I don't want them. If they go back to Jerusalem, they're going to say, they're going to live there. It's going to be, oh, no, 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 no. So what does he do, church? Jeroboam the first, right, they had did something very interesting. He actually set up these golden calves at Bethel and at Dan. He said, okay, listen. I've got these calves. Now, listen, you don't have to go down to Jerusalem to worship. You don't have to. All you have to do, listen, don't, there's no reason to make that long trip. Listen, the kids are, they're little. There ain't a whole lot of McDonald's along the way. Guys, just stay here and worship in Bethel. Right? Well, of course, you know what happens. Which is a great application for you guys. Well, Ben, what happens? What happens? Well, listen, it be, they began to stray away from the true worship of God. And it led those 10 tribes right into idolatry. Church, listen, I think that's a great point and a great application point for us. When we begin to drift from God, when we begin to drift our minds begin to move in different ways, and we begin to just to just a degree, just to de- listen. All of a sudden, guys, it's, we're not that far from what happened to, well, the ten northern tribes. They just, just went right into idolatry. I mean, think about it, church. They were worshiping golden calves that Jeroboam had set up in the north, and what comes along with idolatry came immorality. And soon the religion of Israel became an evil blend of a Jewish ritual and pagan idolatry. That's what happened. And like we talked about in Hosea, guys, the people loved it. The people loved it. Now let me stop right there because I think it's a great point. We need, guys, we need to be a church We need to be a church that can see beyond that. Why? Because again, once we stop the true worship of God, once we get into the religious routine, doing the same thing, I get up every morning, 505, I read my Bible, I put the chat mark. Well, what did God say? Oh, I don't know. He just, it's just God's word. And, and we begin to do the same things and we don't have that ultimate love relationship, that so affectionate love relationship with the God that created us. All of a sudden, we kind of find ourselves going, eh. And again, think about it. Think about it. The people loved it. Here's the problem. It was a time of moral and spiritual decay as the nation rapidly moved away from God to idolatry. And Hosea, guys, you remember, he he was just amazed that God would even use him to show, I mean, both Hosea and Amos both courageously denounced their wickedness of the rulers and the priests and the people. You guys remember that? Well, Jonah was also a prophet in Israel, but God had called him to do something else. You go, what's that? Not only was he called to minister to the ten tribes known as Israel, but he was also called to minister to other nations. Doesn't that sound familiar? 
He's called. And you go, well, like what? Well, check this out. He was called particularly to the one who would come and destroy Israel right about 740 B.C. So, I mean, here's Jonah. He's ministering. Okay, God loves you guys. Come on, we're going to fight for God. Let's go. By the way, I'm called to, I mean, think about it. Where was the one place that you think, I hope God would never call me to? And it's probably Baghdad, Iraq, is it not? I mean, who wants to go? I'm not called to Baghdad. No, 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 no. Listen, but do you realize that the Ninevites were actually real close to Baghdad? I mean, that's exactly what God is doing. God is going, I mean, I mean, this blows my mind, man. God is just incredible. And he shows us our true core values. You go, why? Because he tells Hosea, here's what I want you to do. Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. You want me to do what? I want you to marry Gomer. Gomer's a prostitute. And I want you to be faithful to her, even though she's not going to be faithful to you. Uh, I don't think I'm hearing you right, Lord. I don't think I got this. I mean, are you kidding me? No, Hosea, I want you to do that here. Because I want that to be a huge demonstration to Israel of how much I love them. And even though they're not being faithful to me, I'm still faithful to them. I'm still faithful to them. I'm going to be there for them. Even when judgment comes, I'm going to be there for them. Oh, by the way, Jonah over here, he's actually going to go minister to the ones who are going to wipe you out. Wow. Wow. Why? Why? Well, think about this. A couple of things. Jonah is going to discover God's compassion for those outside of Israel, even those who are his enemies. In Genesis chapter 12, God had called Israel to be a blessing to the Gentiles. But Jonah is going to teach us, guys, one thing. You ready? Jot this down. Disobedience brings discipline. Disobedience brings discipline. Okay? Now, as we prepare to jump into this series, this amazing book, we need to stop, guys, and we need to ask some few questions, okay? So let me just jot these down, okay? If you're taking note, this is going to kind of be the, the, the nucleus of this series, okay? Ask this question. Jot this down in your notes. Write it in your Bible somewhere. The first question we ask is this. You ready? Number one, how do we view the Bible? How do we really view the Bible? You go, what does that mean? Well, listen, when we come to the book of Jonah and, 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 and the word of God declares to us that there was this great fish and that he swallowed this man and this man basically camped out in this great fish, do we believe it or do we go, I don't know, that sounds like a fairy tale. Do we believe that the word of God from Genesis to Revelation is the inspired word of God? Is this the one where you go, listen, I can put my faith in it. I can, I just know. So how do we view the Bible? Do we view it as, okay, this is God's word. This is God's holy and anointed word. The second question we need to ask ourselves, can we flee from God's presence? Can we flee from God's presence? No matter where you go, can you flee from God's presence? And you go, Pastor, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's it, it, it's crazy, and I can relate this because, again, like I said, this morning we were having breakfast in Florida, and we flew, got on the airplane, and you can see down, and you can see, you guys know what I'm talking about, you see houses, and you go, man, God is everywhere. 
It's just amazing. And you're just like, can you flee from his presence? And then the third thing we need to ask is, what does God really say about people? What does God really say about people? Those questions are going to be answered throughout the, throughout the series, okay? So what do we have to do? We have to do some work, okay? We have to do some work. So remember our core values. You go, what are they? Well, let's break them down for the sake of our study. Number one, our core value is to love God. Listen, we can never love people the way God wants us to love people if we don't love God. There's, there's a disconnect if we're not doing that. If we go, listen, man, I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, everything. I, I, he's my every breath, but I just don't like people. I just don't want to love people. I don't want to tell anybody, you know what, if I could live on an island by myself, there's a disconnect. Because our first core value is that we need to love God. Where does it come from? Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4, and 5, where he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's our core value. Now, within our core value is something deeper. You go, what's that? It's the subcore, if you will. And you can find them on our, on our app, and you can find them on our website. But here's our subcore. You ready? Number one, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we write this. We will preach the gospel with all of our heart, then die and be forgotten. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Listen, church, we're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're here to make Jesus famous. We're here to lift him up. The Bible says if you lift him up, he will draw people to himself. So we're not here going, listen, we want to be the mega church, right? We want to, let's get ready to rumble. I mean, I don't know where that came from, but you know what I'm talking about, right? It's that, no, 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 we're here to go, hey, let's lift up Jesus. Let's see people see Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can save. Jesus is the only one that can heal a marriage. Jesus is the only one that can restore that emotional imbalance or the healing that people need. Jesus can take the wounds, guys, that, that we got as kids and growing up, and Jesus can heal those if we'll let him. But it's about Jesus, and that's the first thing. It's all about Jesus. So we're here first and foremost our vision, our vision, why do we exist? Is Listen, here's what we're here. We're here to teach people to what? To love God. Just to love you. We're going to teach you through Scripture. And you go, why would you teach us to love God? Here's why. Listen, when you truly understand how much God loves you, your result, your natural result, will just be love and adoration to him. Because listen, we know who we are. I don't need to get up here and go, all right, I'm going to bang the pulpit. You all are a bunch of sinners. We know that. Nobody has to tell me. I mean, my goodness, I get up in the morning. I was like, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. It's only I've only been up for five minutes. I mean, we know who we are in our hearts. But what we need to hear is his mercies are new every morning. And what we need to hear is that he's going to say, come on, I still love you. I still, Even though you haven't been faithful, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to talk with you. So we got to love God. Number two, we got to love people, love people, right? That's the second core value. We want to really love people. Now, listen, we don't just want to make t-shirts or, or, or bumper stickers or hats that say, we just love people. I mean, we genuinely need to love people. And you go, what does that mean? Well, one of our 
our sub-core values is this. We want to do whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The churched, the unchurched, and those nobody wants. Are you guys tracking with me? Anybody with me? You know why? Because when the tatted up, smelly, unshaven sinner comes in this church, our reaction should be core value number two. We just love him. When the arrogant businessman in a three-piece suit checks out Calvary Chapel, what's our job? Our job is to love him if he's far from God. You see, again, guys, it's the, it's the church. There's so many people who have been churched that they get to a certain age and then they begin to walk away because they don't have and never experienced a real walk with Jesus. And, and really, isn't that the point? Isn't that the point that every one of us would have a real and intimate walk with the God that created us? Listen, none of us is going to get out of here alive. We want to have this real walk and we can fool people on earth. How you doing? Praise God, man. Doing good. But, but deep inside, you're going, I don't even have a walk with God. I don't even pray. Hey, brother, how are you? Hey, brother, how are you? Hallelujah. I learned those words. But we don't have a real walk inside. And guys, listen, we can drop the facade because the only thing that matters is that we have a real walk with God. Because why? Because it's the church. And what about the unchurched? What about those that go, Dude, I didn't even know Jonah, I mean, he, what was that, a whale? Did, did a whale, I mean, I don't even know. And, I mean, think about this. When you talk to them about, I mean, how many of you know about David and Goliath? Mostly everybody, right? David and Goliath, yeah, we know that, right? Of course we do. But a lot of people go, who was that? Is that a band? I mean, is that a rock group? Who's David? And, I mean, I don't understand. No, it's a Bible. It's a, oh, that happened in the Bible. Like, what was that? And, and you and I, we go, Seriously? Serious? Because they're unchurched. They know nothing about church. What are we supposed to do with that? Pastor Ben, you don't understand. Someone comes and they don't... That's a lot of work. Exactly. Church, listen. Listen. You've got to love those people because we naturally assume every one of us is walking in the same... Every one of us has the same Bible knowledge. We assume... What happens when you go to the person and he doesn't know anything about, like Noah, in the ark? That's a lot of work. I don't know. You'll get there someday. Now, listen. We will do whatever it takes, guys, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The churched, the unchurched, and those nobody wants. Nobody wants. those. What about those guys? What about the guy on the bus that nobody wants to sit next to? What about, I mean, listen, give me a handful of guys who go, listen, we're just going to love, we're just going to love on some folks. Give me a handful of the church that says, listen, we're going to go out and we're just going to love people. Give me some men and some women who say, listen, you know what? You know what my calling is? My calling is to go to the hospitals and pray for people. Do you know somebody there? I don't know anybody there, but that's what I, I just want to go. And I just, I mean, why? Because, because listen, if we shine the light in the light, okay, 
What does that do? But if we shine the light where people are hurting and we shine the light of hope and love to those that have no hope, guys, that not that what God has commanded us to do? So we're supposed to love people. Another sub-core value is like this, okay? Here's, here's what we put. We, it, it's not for everyone. We know not everyone will get it, and we're okay with that because stakes are high and time is short. What do you mean? Guys, not everybody's gonna be is gonna be stoked on Calvary Chapel, right? Not everybody's gonna be stoked on this. They're gonna be like, hey, why? But but that's okay. Listen, listen, that we're okay with that. We know that not everybody's gonna join the mission with us. And that's okay, but here's why. Listen, we know it's okay because stakes are high and time is short. And God's gonna move on the hearts of people, going, Yeah, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. What do I need to do? Well, are you, are you loving God? I'm loving God. Well, now we've got to love people. We've got to love people. What kind of people? The Ninevites. The Ninevites. Do you realize that you may have some Ninevites in your neighborhood? Do you realize that there's Ninevites all over Lubbock, Texas? And you go, really? There are like real Ninevites? No, no, no. When we dig into who the Ninevites are, you'll realize, oh, oh, oh. So we need to love God, love people. What's the third one, church? We need to live radically. Live radically. Here's our sub point. You ready? Service takes sacrifice. Service takes sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you anything, then it's not worth anything. In other words, there's no elevator for ministry or life. You have to take the stairs, right? In order to live radically, I mean, we have to be different. We have to live radically. And you go, what does that mean? Well, in order to live radically, we need to go deeper in our lives, pioneer with our faith in God. Listen, church, we need to take aggressive steps of faith, launching into deeper waters so that God can do more with our lives when we live radically for him. That's really what we need to do. We need to, we need, we need to boldly take steps of faith. We need to trust God. God, we're going to throw our net out here. And the world look at us and go, you guys are crazy. You're nuts, man. Are you serious? Yeah, we're throwing. Why? Why are we going to do that, church? Why? Because God can do so much more. God can do so much more. But we got to throw our net into deeper waters. Into deeper waters. So, love God, love people, live radically. Pastor, you've been saying that. Yeah, they, they, listen, they've got to be in our DNA. They've got to be in our DNA. And so that's how we take the gospel out. Now, as we come to the book of Jonah, it really is divided into two sections. Okay? Let me give you the first one. You ready? The first one is evangelism. Evangelism. You go, what's that? It's getting the gospel to the lost. Okay? You go, well, like what? Well, you've heard me say this a thousand times. I'm going to say it a thousand times more. It's shining the light in dark places. What do you mean? It's loving people to life. Loving people to life. Everybody got that? Okay, it's evangelism. Now, when it comes to evangelism, it actually reminds me of this story. Let me share it with you and see if it reminds you. When it comes to evangelism, it says there was a young salesman. He was disappointed about losing a big sale. And as he talked with his sales manager, he lamented. I guess it just proves you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. The manager replied, son, take my advice. Your job is not to make him drink. Your job is to make him thirsty. 
And so with evangelism, our lives should be so filled with Christ, guys, that it creates a thirst for the gospel. Okay, you ready? Jot this down if you don't mind. Our job is to make them thirsty. Okay, now, now listen. I have, I mean, just, I mean, I've, I've seen so many pastors, they'll get up and they'll give an excellent message and I'll say, okay, give the invitation, give the invitation, come on. And they get so scared that nobody's going to respond. Let me let you in a little secret about evangelism. It's, they're not responding to me. The Holy Spirit's already doing the work. You know what we have to do? We just have to invite people. I mean, I, I mean, I'll just say, hey, how many of you want to give your life to Jesus? Boom, 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 boom. Why do I say that? Because because the Holy Spirit's already working. Listen, all I have to do is make him thirsty. How do you make him thirsty? Listen, we're passionate about the things that God's passionate about. We're hungry for the things that God is hungry about. And then when they start seeing that actually operate in your life, church, this, they start going, man, I, I, I want that. What? I want what you have. How are you? And that's what evangelism does. Now, two weeks ago, we showed a movie. There's a couple of things in that movie. Number one, he talked about evangelism. What did he say? I'm all for friendship evangelism. Can I get an amen? Friendship evangelism is get a friend, make a friend, take them to coffee, show them. Through, I mean, it may take a year or two. Friendship evangelism is good. Okay, I'm not discounting that, but because time is short and buildings are on fire, if you know what I'm talking about, we've got to tell them the gospel quickly. We've got to go out and we've got to make them so thirsty. Make them so thirsty. So you have evangelism. And then the second part of the book of Jonah is training. Training. Why? What happens? Once they're saved, what should we do? What should we do? Guys, we need to equip them as believers. What do you mean? It's not enough to be obstetricians, right? All right, have the baby, and they get saved, and now they're little babies, and they're just like, ah, I'm a brand new Christian. You know what we need, church? We need pediatricians. We also need people to raise them up and walk with them. Why? Because just like a little baby, do you remember when you had little ones, right? Some of you don't remember because you're old. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you remember, they they fell, they they. They stumbled, they scraped their knee, and you were there to help them and walk with them and love on them. And then eventually they grew to where they could walk by themselves and they could run. And you begin to coach them in other areas. Guys, isn't that what it's, it's about? I know what you're thinking. You're like, Pastor Ben, hold on. Hold on, Pastor Ben. I thought the book of Jonah was about a man and a whale. Well, see, that's where, that's where the problem lies. See, it was G. Campbell Morgan who once said about this book, many people have looked so hard at a great fish that they missed the great God. The key or the theme to the book of Jonah is God's love for his people. Now, over time, if you've been to Calvary long enough, I will admit that any time I see something in Scripture, I usually use a 80s reference, right? It'll be a 80s reference to solidify the topic. Well, not today. So today, I want to go country. Is that okay? Any, do anybody like country in here? 
People are afraid. They're like, not me. Okay, check this out. Garth Brooks, which I just got a thing today that said he's coming to Lubbock. So if you like anybody like Garth Brooks, he's coming to Lubbock. I don't know when or anything. But Garth Brooks wrote a song that actually sums up our study. You go, he did? What, what did he write? Garth Brooks wrote a song called People Loving People. Now, I found the lyrics very... Anybody hear that song? Anyone at all? Okay, labor with me for a moment to the lyrics. This is just very interesting, okay? Here's what he says. Now, see if this kind of sums up where, where we're going. Number one, or here's the lyrics. He says, he says, doctor, you ain't got a pill for whatever's making this world ill. You can't get forgiveness at a store. In peace, it's a politician's war. You won't find no resolution at the bottom of a bottle in the stars or Aristotle. The only answer to the problem is people loving people. That's the enemy of everything that's evil. Ain't no quick fix at the end of a needle. It's just people loving people. Words aren't what they seem to be. Talk is cheap and lies are free. We fear what we don't understand. We've been scared since time began. All the colors and cultures circle around us on a spindle. It's a complicated riddle, but the solution is so simple. It's people loving people. Found it interesting that Garth Brooks kind of nailed it right on the head, right? In some of his lyrics. Why? Because church, listen, it doesn't take a whole lot to look around and go, that's exactly what it is. I mean, think about what he said just for a second, just for a second. Doctor, you ain't got a pill for whatever's making this, right? The the doctor's not going to give you a pill. You can't get forgiveness at a store. I mean, he's, he's just summing it up. Listen, you won't find no resolution at the bottom of a bottle in the stars or Aristotle. You want to know what the answer to the problem is? Is that people loving people. People loving people. And of course, I'm calling this message people loving people. For tonight, guys, we discover that if we truly love God, then we're called to love his people. Okay? So listen, there are two separate callings in loving people. You go, what are they? We are called to love people to life. Everybody get that? We're called to love people to life. You go, what is that? That's evangelism. That's sharing the gospel. That's bringing a light in a dark world. That's the first thing. Number two, we're called to love people back to life. You go, what's that? That's discipleship. That's discipleship. There are those who have been hurt, wounded, who have lost their way, those who are in need of a real friend. That's what we're here to do, okay? So we're supposed to bring people to life, and then we're supposed to what? We're supposed to love people back to life, okay? So here's what we're going to do. With the remainder of our time, we're going to look at two stories very quickly, but I want to show you in Scripture those very things. Okay, so let's say goodbye to Jonah, say we'll see you next week, we'll look at the first three verses next week, and let's flip over to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. You guys know this, but let's just, let's just for the sake of our study, let's just use it in loving people to life, okay? Do you guys remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? He was a tiny dude. Let's read the story, because I want to show you some interesting things. He says, then Jesus entered, verse 1, chapter 19, verse 1, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. 
Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Okay, we need to do some work here. Okay, you need to understand. You need to understand this dude. Okay, the, um, let me just give you the definition of tax collectors because it'll blow your mind. When we talk about tax collectors in, in scripture, we often think, well, tax collectors came and they charged extra than they should have and they were scoundrels, but they made 10 bucks on every and so they got rich by charging everybody a little extra. You guys hear that on tax collectors? But do you realize that it's more than that? You go, what do you mean? Listen, how do you fund an army, okay? How do you fund an army that rules from England all the way to India? How do you fund an, um, a massive amount of men, right? How do you do this? Because it was Rome at this time that ruled by its strength. Rule, Rome ruled with an iron fist. And if you turned against Rome, you would be executed, right? You would be hung on a cross for all to see. If you were walking in Jerusalem and you saw a cross, you would actually read what they did, right? And so what happens is you go, okay, so how do you fund this army? How do you fund this army that's so massive? Well, it's not so much about collecting extra taxes, but what it was is these collect, these tax collectors, these Jewish men would actually join forces and they would take your taxes and they would fund Rome. And when Rome came in and destroyed something, they destroyed everything. I mean, when they came in, they would come in and they would rape the women and the daughters and they would kill the sons. I mean, and so what happens is that everybody hated Rome. Why? Because you're, you're just living your own life and all of a sudden this Rome comes in and they just wipe everything out, steal all of your stuff. You couldn't do anything about it. I mean, I want you to think about for just a moment exactly what's going on. I mean, if, if, if Rome came to your house, knocked on the door, I mean, your wife is in danger, your kids are in danger, and all of your stuff is in danger, and guess who did it? Your neighbor! He's a tax collector! He's helping Rome! So you didn't get along with your neighbor, did you? Well, Zacchaeus not only was a tax collector, help me church, he was a chief tax collector. So he was messed up. He was in deep. And so all of a sudden, guess what? Jesus, he's walking through, and here's this dude named Zacchaeus, and he's a, cha- he's a chief tax collector, and guess what? He was rich. The dude had bank. He had some big bank. But he, look what happens in verse 3. And he sought to see who Jesus was could not because of the crowd for he was short stature guys do you see what i see zacchaeus wanted to see jesus but he couldn't why because the crowd got in the way the crowd got in the way and and here's what i here, here's what i really believe you ready if we're going to love people listen to me i believe that people in lubbock texas desperately want and need to see jesus but the crowd keeps getting in the way the crowd keeps getting there. You go, who's the crowd, Pastor Ben? Guys, there are, there are people who are part of the crowd who claim Christianity, but they have not met Jesus in a real or authentic way. They're just part of the crowd. They're just, wow. Guys, my prayer is that we would have a passion, so we'd be so passionate for God 
and a purpose to shine the light that we would clean out the crowd in our lives so that everyone you know would still see Jesus. Because I believe Zacchaeus wanted to see him. So what did he do? Verse 4. So he ran ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he's going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Don't you just love that? Don't you just love that Jesus is walking? And he looks up, there's Zacchaeus looking down, right? And he's like, hey, we're going to your house. We're having a barbecue. Let's go. I think that's so cool. I think that's so cool. Let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that people want to see Jesus and are willing to do whatever it takes to see him? You go, how so? Guys, this guy had no real reason to see Jesus. Why? I mean, he's rich. He didn't didn't need anything. I mean, think about that. The guy's GQ. He's got awesome benefits. He, 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 he's driving around in a nice chariot. His wife is probably going, thumbs up, dude. We, we've got it made. But yet there was something, guys. There was something in him that made Zacchaeus climb a tree just to get a look at Jesus. See, I think people want to see Jesus more than than we might think. Look at verse 6. So he made haste, he came down, he received him joyfully, but when he saw when they saw it, who are they? Listen, they all complain, saying he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a great sinner. Do you see that? That blows my mind. Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. Let's go, Lord. Everybody's like, Psh, you're loving that sinner? You're hanging out with him? That's the religious folk there. But look what happened, guys. Something happened between verses 7 and 8. Why? Because Jesus loves Zacchaeus to life. He got saved right here. You go, how do you know? Well, check out his heart. Look at verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and he said, He said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor, and I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation I've restored fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Do you see the transformation? The transformation is evident, right? Something happened. We don't know what, but we know Jesus loved him to life. We know we know the story because all of a sudden he's going, "Lord, I repent. I'm going to give everything. I mean, uh, anything I'm going to I'm going to take back. I'm going to give I'm going to give half my stuff to the poor." He was rich. Guys, that's what he that's the whole point. This is my stuff. He's like, "It's not my stuff. It's yours, Lord. Take as a matter of fact, if I've stolen anything, I'm going to give it back fourfold. That would blow my mind, right? Could you imagine? Oh, no. Right? It's Zacchaeus. You'd have to open the door a little bit because you couldn't see him. I mean, th- there's Zacchaeus in your thing. Well, tell me what you're really thinking. He's coming back for more taxes. Are you serious? So you're telling your wife, don't answer the door. And all of a sudden, he comes to you and he says, listen, Last week, last month when I came and, and, and I took $20 worth of taxes, yes, Zacchaeus, 
He says, listen, I've met Jesus and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a hundred. I, I, I didn't do it right. What are you guys thinking? Why? Why would anybody do that? Right? Number, some of you be looking for the camera. Am I, is this, is this, Candid, what's, go, what's going on here? What's going on? Am I being, but because he met Jesus, guys, things have changed. So the question is, have things changed in your life like that? Here's the challenge. You ready? Before we jump into our next story. Zacchaeus was no longer defined by what he did. He was now defined by who Jesus was to him. That's what you guys are. You're defined by who Jesus is to you, not by what you do. Listen, church, your your job doesn't define you. It's just what you do. But what defines you is who Jesus is to you. So he loved Zacchaeus to salvation. He loved him to life. Now let's look at someone real quick. Go back to verse or chapter 10. Just go a little bit to the left. Chapter 10. Now this is loving somebody back to life, okay? This is loving somebody, somebody back to life. Luke chapter 10, picking it in verse 30, and I know it got a hurry. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed him, leaving him half dead. So, I mean, this is just amazing, right? This is amazing. Think about this, okay? Let's talk for a moment that this is someone who has lost their way. Let's talk about some of our friends, right? Maybe they've been hurt by the church, or maybe they've been wounded or broken, or for the sake of our study, maybe they're half dead. Maybe they're not even serving God anymore. Now, let's be honest. This could go one or two ways. What's that? You could leave him there to die, or you could save him and help him to recover. You can love him back to life, okay? So let's see what happens, right? Now, listen. Listen, that is, that's how it is for so many people. Now, verse 31, Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and he saw him, and he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived to that place, he came and looked, and he passed on the other side. So here's this guy. He's wounded. He's, he's beaten down. He's blooded. He's pulped. He's stripped naked, and he's half dead. And a priest who represents God to the people comes by this narrow road, and he looks at him, and he's like, oh, I'm going to be late for worship. So he sort of scoots on the other side and walks by him, probably thinking, well, the Levite will help him. I've got to go talk at church about compassion. And here what happens. The Levite comes down. Levite's kind of following him. And what does he do? He looks, realizes the priest didn't do anything, and he just goes on the other side. And leaves this poor guy. Until, notice. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. He saw him. He had compassion. He had compassion. He saw this guy. And so he went and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. And he brought him to the inn. And he took care of him. On the next day, he departed and he took two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and he said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come, I will repay you. Do you see him loving him back to life? 
He's sitting here going, listen, I'm going to go above and beyond what I'm supposed to do. Why? It's going to cost me something. The first thing is I'm, he has compassion. And, and, and listen, I don't know about you, but here's, here's our fear, right? What's our fear? I'm not going to move a wounded person because if something happens, he's going to sue me. That's not what it's about, guys. He goes, listen, this guy really needs help. He gets him bandaged. He, he puts oil and wine on him. He puts him on his donkey and he says, listen, you need, you need some rest. And he, and he does that. Guys, who's the good Samaritan? Well, if we're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love people, that should be us. Our first mission is what? Evangelism. But once they're saved, what are we supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? That's the same thing. We're supposed to have compassion on people. Why is it that we judge so many people? I can't believe that if you'd read your Bible three times a day like me, then you wouldn't be in this mess. Really? Here's this good Jewish boy that got beat up by a robber. And isn't that what the devil comes to do? Doesn't he come to rob, steal, and destroy? And, and so what happens is that many of our friends, guys, many of our, of our family, they're hurt, they're broken. They're, they're walking blind in there. And, and what do we do? We just kind of go, hey, how's it going? You doing all right? Yeah, good to see you, man. High five, give me five, yeah. Well, I think we need to stop and go, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. No, 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 for real. Let, how are you? How can I help? What can I do? Can I, can I at least get your number and just text you, see how you're doing? Can I just, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Do you need something to eat? Do you need, do you just need an ear? Just a share. You know what? That's all I've needed. Guys, you go, but Pastor Ben, I'm not real good at evangelism, and but but a lot of times, guys, if if we're if we're just moved by the Holy Spirit, and we just even if it's an invite to church, even if that's the listen, just come, come with me. We'll let the work of the Holy Spirit come. We'll let the work of the Holy Spirit, and we'll see what God will do. He he came to him. He had compassion. Guys, he poured out the oil and wine, which is a type of the Holy Spirit. And now, are you ready for the last one? He paid the bill for his restoration. It costs us something. It costs us something. The church, do you realize that it, that God bankrupt heaven for you? He bankrupt heaven. He sent, he sent it all. He didn't say, hey, listen, I'm going to create this angel and the angels are going to go die for you and you're welcome to come to heaven if you... He said, listen, I'm taking my son, my only son, and, and I love you guys so much, I'm going to bankrupt heaven. And that's exactly what he... He said, listen, I'm, I'm ready to pay the bill. I'm ready to pay the bill. He paid for his restoration because it costs us something, church. It costs us to love people back to life. It costs time, money, I mean, it costs resources. It costs, Pastor Ben, I think I might get hurt. You might get hurt. You might love this person so back to life that they just, nope, not having it. And they, they, they run off and you're hurt and you go, I'm never doing it again. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to keep on keeping on. Why? Notice what Jesus said. Okay. Verse 36. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, 
go and do likewise. Okay? We're going to finish with one song, but we're going to finish with that, okay? As, as Jeremy and his wife come on up to do one last song. Notice what Jesus tells us to do. You ready? Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. That's what we're called to do. Share the gospel and then love people back to life. They're hurting. Some of you might be hurting today and you need somebody to just, just, maybe you just don't need any words at all, but maybe you just need a friend. Maybe you need somebody to just say, hey, I, I understand. Guys, can I, can I share this with you real quick? Because this is what the Lord spoke to me, and, and then I'll get you out of here. The Atlantic Ocean was probably about 68 to 70 degrees, and I started walking through it as I was walking in, and, and, and I got to about right here, and I realized something very interesting, right? I kept seeing the waves kept coming. And, and there were small waves, and that didn't bother me. The water was a little cold, but that did one wave. And then if, if you waited up a little bit more, then the waves got a little bit bigger. And then, and all of a sudden you wouldn't realize this, but there would be a big wave and, and it wanted to, it wanted to do some damage, right? And you'd kind of have to turn around or whatever if you didn't. And, and so I sat there, I sat there like this, okay? And I'm sitting there with my feet in the sand, planted deep in the sand. Right, And I'm watching this wave, one wave come after another, one wave come after another. And I realized that I would lose my balance. You know why? Because as the tide went back out, the sand under me would just go with it. And I'd step back. And it was then that the Lord spoke to me. He said, and, and I figured this is a lot like life, okay? Sometimes people are going, listen, the little, the little waves in life I can handle. Yeah, I got this one. Okay, I can do this one. And then a bigger wave comes and a bigger wave comes. But what I realized is if they're not standing on solid ground, the sand beneath them is trying to trip them up just as well. You see, guys, life is going to hit us. But where you place your feet is going to make all the difference in the world. And that's what it's about. That's where people are at. They're not only getting hit by life, church, but they're losing their footing too. And God has called us to what? To love them back to life. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we love you and we thank you for our Bible study. We look so forward to this book. And we worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 
888-888-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.